0: Day on the Rural Radio Network, how you doing? Here we head into the middle part of the week, and looks like we've got a pretty decent Memorial Holiday weekend that's uh, staring us in the face. Got to get through some chances of statewide thunder showers and stuff, but generally it looks like summer is finally here, and this is the weekend to usher it in officially. And uh, here we go with information to find out what's going on here in the middle part of the week. Let's check in with the Ag Team representative today, and that is Clay Patton.
1: I will take the call, and a busy day with the Ag Team. Shaylee and Susan currently out overlooking the renovated Husker Harvest Day. So excited to hear more about that later on. But at 1219, it is Shaley. She's talking with Eric Schultz. He's a technical service representative with BASF, and they're bringing us a planting update. Then at 1245, I sat down with Mike Deering of the Missouri Cattlemen's Association, and Mike has been... Uh, one of the proponents behind Missouri's latest passed legislation on meat labeling and this is really concerning the ever-growing trend of plant-derived, uh, lab-grown meat-like products versus actual livestock-derived meat so there's kind of a labeling battle going on, but Missouri is the first state to pass legislation on it we're going to hear more about that and then at 117, Bryce Talking with Congressman Adrian Smith on the Farm Bill and what uh, Plan B
0: is. I saw Jason light up when you said meat-like product. (laughs) So that would be tube steak. (laughs)
1: It's like spam, stuff posing as meat.
0: Well, spam is meat. But when you grow it in a Petri dish, that is not meat. That is true. All right. it was Jason Jorgensen.
2: Coming up, we'll talk about the Big Ten Baseball Tournament. It is underway as Iowa is in a close matchup at this time. Give you the rundown on that. Of course, uh, today starts five-year run for that tournament to be held at TD Ameritrade Park. Hopefully next year the Huskers will be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it would be nice to have a local representative. Oh, we'll with.
2: see. Uh, yeah. They are hoping, even though that Nebraska is not in it, the strength that Omaha has with folks and their love for college baseball with the World Series, that the crowds will be okay there in Omaha, even though the Big Red is
0: not a part of it. There's a a long tradition for a a lot of uh, traditional schools that make the trip and, and, and a lot of good memories that go back a long ways in Omaha.
2: That is very true. The memories were not very good last night for the Golden State Warriors. They copped up the lead in the fourth quarter, and they were stunned by Houston as the Rockets square up the NBA Western Conference Finals at two games apiece. Eastern Conference Finals, that also is tied up at two games apiece between Cleveland and Boston. Also, we'll talk some state golf as the NSWA State Golf Tournaments will wrap up today across the uh, state. There were some good scores yesterday. A little windy today for the kids, but as we touched on yesterday, uh, and probably deal with some wind when, when temps from the 70s and 80s compared yeah. to the wind when it was in the <laughs> 40s and 50s for most of the spring.
0: Like we say, when you've you know, had <laughs> your long johns on and been playing in gloves, that probably doesn't bode very well when you finally get to summertime. A little easier to get a little looser off of, uh, off of the tee box. <laughs> I would think so. And as we take a look at business, we go to Bob Brogan.
1: Stocks are mostly lower in midday trading on Wall Street. New home sales are down. We'll have something on that. Uh, also, United Technologies planning to hire 35,000 people after a week finish yesterday. And uh, another thing out, uh, economic growth to continue through the fourth quarter of 2018.
0: That from the University of Nebraska Bureau of Business Research. So those are some of the stories that we're watching and keeping an eye on. All right, we can all use a little economic growth. This is Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Paul Perkins is in for our regional ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranky dealer. We are seeing some of those. Showers and thunderstorms pop up, aren't
3: we? Yeah, exactly. Uh, If you're seeing some cloud cover, it's because of some pop up scattered showers and thunderstorms right now. Not a a whole lot of rain with these systems. It may be locally intense for a brief moment. Uh, Currently in central Nebraska, most of the activity from about Greeley down to Ravana, Kearney, and just south of Kearney uh, to the west and southwest of Kearney. Also, a little bit of light rain and sprinkle activity in Dawson County from Sumner on over to about Cozet. And then Otherwise, maybe a few showers just to the east of Burwell. Mostly
0: warm and dry across the area currently. Yeah, no question about that. And as we head into these evenings, we are going to probably see a growth in that thunderstorm potential.
3: Exactly. Not expecting a big severe weather outbreak. Looks like the best chance of severe weather going to be in west and west-central Nebraska. If you're along and. West of a line from Ainsworth down to North Platte and Imperial. Otherwise, kind of a marginal risk of some severe weather for today. Uh, Definitely feeling like summer, especially in eastern Nebraska. Most locations already in the low to mid 80s. We have some low 80s also in central Nebraska right in the Tri-Cities. But otherwise, as you move west of that, Temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. We will continue to be unseasonably warm on our temperatures thanks to some south winds increasing off low pressure that's lifting north through the Rockies. There is a chance of some thunderstorms in the west and central today from the middle of the afternoon into the evening. Thunderstorms can also develop right along the high plains and then edge east as they weaken late tonight. Tomorrow, staying on the warm side. Those thunderstorm chances also trending higher by tomorrow evening as some low pressure crosses the plains. The dry line going to be the focus for some thunderstorms that could be strong to severe. Hail and high winds will be the main threat. Storm chances diminish for Friday ahead of a ridge of high pressure. That ridge overhead for the holiday weekend with some warm and dry weather. Thunderstorm chances are back by Sunday night as that ridge moves off to the east and we see some low pressure Move into the Rockies. Memorial Day, we could see some storms, but it looks like the better chances will hold off until Monday night or Tuesday as that area of low pressure reaches closer to the area. The warmer temperatures will stick around for the long term. The likelihood is high for warmer than normal temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas. Memorial Day through at least the first five days of June. Doesn't look like we're going to have a chilly Memorial Day this year. Rainfall will be mostly at near normal levels in Nebraska and Kansas Memorial Day through the 5th. Soil temperatures this morning is 7 and 4 inches down. The coolest in the panhandle in the mid to upper 50s in the rest of Nebraska. And that very northwest corner of Kansas, the soil temperatures in the low to mid 60s, the rest of Kansas with soil temperatures in the mid to upper 60s. Weather factors market traders are considering include warm to hot weather across the central U.S. during the end of the month and more dry weather stress in Brazil. An array of disturbances will maintain rainy weather across the plains and parts of the north where as much as 1 to 2 inches could fall in the next five days. An extremely wet pattern will persist in parts of the southeast U.S. where it's almost tropical. Five-day rain totals could reach in some areas 2 to 5 inches or more. Right now, no uh, flooding issues are expected. Summer-like temperatures expected in the Midwest the rest of the month. The Warm weather, along with mostly adequate soil moisture, will be now favorable for late planting and crop development. That could change, though. On the favorable side, parts of the southwest and central Midwest are drier and will need to be watched for dry weather stress if the summer-like pattern persists into early next month. In the southern plains, only a few rains will follow the next five days, and that will not be sufficient to improve any yield prospects for winter wheat. Later periods turn even hotter and drier for the extreme southern plains. Brazil crop areas remain dry with little rain in the forecast through next week. Losses to the second crop, corn crop continue. The total Brazil corn crop already expected to be 20% less than last year.
0: Ag weather across the region brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Looking at this forecast, and I'm correlating (laughs) that with the weekend. 90 degrees for what, Friday, Saturday, probably Sunday as well?
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, 10 to 15 degrees above the norm for this time of year. Usually we're sticking with highs in the upper 70s, but a lot of times it's the average. I think you brought this up yesterday. It's either cooler or hotter. So, so that's where they get these average temperatures, and maybe a few days around around yeah, average. But you
0: don't expect them to be like 30 and 130 yeah. is the thing. All right, Paul, thanks very much. And so it doesn't bode too bad as we get into our Memorial weekend, and we'll get some better looks at what the thunderstorm chances will be for this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon, of course. Stay with us through the day here on 880 KRVN and on your rural radio network stations when you need weather anytime.
3: KRVN.com.
4: Ag negotiator says China wants the goose that leads to prosperity. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network as we take a midday look at your ag news. Greg Dowd, the Trump administration's chief agriculture negotiator, took a harsh line discussing China at a Farm Foundation forum yesterday just as farmers were seeing price rallies now that the U.S. and China appear to be putting tariffs on hold, which could boost U.S. farm exports. Dowd urged the audience to read the Office of U.S. Trade Representative report on the Section 301 investigation into China's acts, policies and practices related to technology transfer, intellectual property and innovation, it's the goose that laid the golden egg, and now China wants the goose, Dowd said, referring to China's insistence that U.S. companies doing business there provide access to the technology behind their products. Dowd also pointed out that these practices have taken place outside of the realm of the World Trade Organization and said that is this is the issue we have in front of us. Dowd also noted that USTR has filed WTO complaints against China charging that China has exceeded its allowable agricultural subsidies and now has large stocks of commodities that are affecting prices worldwide. Those complaints were filed under the Obama administration. Speaking of trade, Topeka Governor Jeff Collier announced yesterday that Kansas will renew its alliance with Japan by rejoining the Midwest U.S.-Japan Association. Governor Collier met with the Japanese consulate in April at the Capitol to discuss the relationship between Kansas and Japan and feels the partnership will be a good way to strengthen business and agriculture relations. Kansas and Japan have historically been and continue to be great partners. It is time to take the next step, said Governor Collier. I am looking forward to strengthening this valuable partnership through our renewed membership in the Midwest U.S.-Japan Association. Japan is an important export market for Kansas, traditionally ranking as one of the state's top trading partners. Based on 2017 data, Japan in, is Kansas's third largest export market, totaling $980 million. Kansas has also welcomed investment from Japanese companies, Japan is a very important export market for Kansas, and we are looking forward to continuing our already strong relationship, said Robert North, interim secretary of the Kansas Department of Commerce. By joining the Midwest-U.S.-Japan Association, we will have even more opportunities to work together and explore opportunities for growing our trading partnership. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture is encouraging America's farmers and ranchers to nominate candidates to lead, serve, and represent their community on their local county committees. USDA's Farm Service Agency will accept nominations for county committee members beginning Friday, June 15, 2018. Producers across the country are already serving on committees where they play a critical role in the day-to-day operations of FSA, making important decisions on programs dealing with disaster and conservation, emergencies, commodity price loan support, county office employment, and other agricultural issues. Our county committees make decisions about how federal farm programs are administered locally to best serve the needs of agriculture in their communities, said Acting FSA Administrator Steve Peterson. We strongly encourage all eligible producers to visit their local FSA office today to find out how to get involved in their county's election. There's an increasing need for representation from underserved producers, which includes beginning women and other minority farmers and ranchers. Election ballots will be mailed to eligible voters beginning November 5th, 2018. And you can learn more about that by visiting ruralradio.com. That's been a quick look to your midday ag news here on a Wednesday. I'm Shaley Peters and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Haley peters joining you on the rural radio network and it's time again here on a wednesday that we'll check in with our basf technical service representative this week visiting with eric schultz of basf eric we talked to you a couple weeks ago and a lot has changed since then let's just start off by getting an update from where you're at i know there's been a lot of planting going on even some emergence happening now
5: yes we are seeing definitely plenty of emerged corn we are Getting very close to 60% emerged corn throughout the state. And I think some of the tallest corn I've seen has had five leaves on it already. So when we start to think about our post-emergence herbicide applications, um, we have to be timely with these. So we have to pay close, very close attention to weed size if we are looking to knock down anything with that post application and then also think about having a residual component to that post application as well to carry us later into the season and a lot of that has to do with corn's great sensitivity to early season weed competition and we've seen some of the most recent research talk about losing one to three bushels per acre per day when we do not control our weeds so being timely is excruci- extremely important
4: you talked about some of the things going on with corn eric and some of the issues there some of the things that producers need to be looking at i know you also wanted to go into soybeans this week as well because they are not far behind
5: yes and plenty of emerging soybeans as well i think uh, throughout the state uh, generally speaking where at least a quarter of our soybeans are emerged 25 percent and soybeans again i will preach the same thing as i did with corn layering our residuals with our post applications and making timely applications with those post herbicides and for basf products we have great residual products in zidua and outlook which provide us long residual applied in that early post timing in soybeans and that can get us close to crop canopy as well so in general really the same story between both corn and soybeans being timely with our applications scouting taking note of our weed emergence and our weed size if we have to knock anything down and getting those out early and overlapping or layering residual herbicides
4: scouting isn't something new to producers either and they know the importance of it but when you talk to your producers eric about getting out and looking at their fields maybe go into a little bit more of what exactly they need to be looking for some of the issues they really need to be paying close attention to this time of year
5: well the uh the first thing even before size would be weed species and the uh, big players now that we are seeing emergence all over are water hemp and palmer amaranth and these weeds are starting to show their faces through the soil and we need to get out there and pay attention to which ones are emerging and pay attention to the size of these because these weeds can grow to up to 4 inches per day between water hemp and Palmer amaranth. So, as long as we get out there and we see and we scout and we know what's coming up, we give ourselves a better chance to control anything that may be coming up. And then we can extend our control with residuals because water hemp and Palmer amaranth, they come up throughout the growing season.
4: It's Eric Schultz with BASF. You can tune in every Wednesday right here at 1219. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
0: It's midday on the Rural Radio Network and time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey thanks Derek. Well the Big 10 baseball tournament has opened up
2: its 5-year run at TD Ameritrade Park with a wide open field featuring two of the hottest teams in the nation in Minnesota and Purdue. Of course Iowa was looking to reach a third straight title game. Hawkeyes however dropped their first game today just losing to Michigan 2 to 1 in 10 innings. This is the third time this tournament has been held at the home of the College World Series. Of course, Nebraska did not qualify, but big crowds are expected to turn out anyway. The NSWA State Boys Golf Tournament's wrap-up today with Class A in Norfolk, Class B in Columbus, Kearney's hosting Class C, and Class D is in North Platte. Washington Capitals visit Tampa tonight for Game 7 of their NHL Eastern Conference Final Series against the Lightning. The winner gets a berth in the Stanley Cup Finals opposite the Vegas Golden Knights, who will try for hockey's biggest prize in just their inaugural season. And Houston managed to survive a wild second half and even up the NBA's Western Conference Finals at two games apiece. They blew a seven-point halftime lead and trailed by 10 heading into the fourth quarter before shutting down Golden State to win it 95-92. The defending champs missed their last five shots from the floor and watch their league playoff record home winning streak come to an end at 16. The Celtics return home tonight where they won the first two games of the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals before being beaten twice in Cleveland. Now Boston is 9-0 at home this postseason. They'll try to keep that streak going against a rejuvenated Cleveland team led by LeBron James, who has scored 40 points or more in six games this postseason, and is trying to get his eighth straight and is trying to get to his eighth straight finals. Cleveland is also trying to become just the 20th team out of 300 to overcome a 2-0 deficit. NFL news, the league has awarded future Super Bowls to Arizona and New Orleans. The decision was made today at the league's annual spring meeting in Atlanta, which will host the 2019 Super Bowl at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The 2023 title game will be played at the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, while the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans will host the game in 2024. And the 2019 NFL Draft will take place in Nashville. home of the Tennessee Titans was selected today during those spring meetings as well. That is the Look at Sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. More middays just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
6: Tonight in Nebraska, there is a chance of thunderstorms, mainly in western Nebraska into central part of the state. Some of those storms could produce damaging winds and large hail. I'm Dave Schroeder with news. A contracting company has fired an Omaha school bus driver shown using his cell phone for more than two minutes while driving. A Norris Middle School student recorded what she saw and then posted it Monday on Facebook. It shows him looking down at the phone screen, occasionally tapping it and then holding it to an ear. The video ran more than two minutes. Omaha Public Schools spokeswoman Monique Farmer says Student Transportation of America immediately dismissed the driver once it learned of the video on Tuesday. Driver Nequette-Belazir told an Omaha television station that he knew what he did was dangerous but necessary. He said he was scrolling through contacts to find his daughter a ride home from school because her usual ride didn't show up. He'd driven for more than two years for the company. An expansion that costs $86 million has started at the Omaha VA Medical Center. Deputy Chief of Staff, Dr. Marvin Bittner.
7: This is an outpatient building, so it's for people who need medical care but are not admitted to the hospital. So we'll have some of our primary care teams where we have uh, doctors working together with nurses and other health professionals to provide the day-to-day primary care for people's problems.
6: Bittner says the 157,000 square foot expansion will include five operating rooms, radiology, a special women's clinic, a specialty care area, and construction is expected to be finished by the summer of 2020. Nebraska's Secretary of State announced earlier this week that the Libertarian Party in the state continues to grow. Mike Kniebel is director of the party in Nebraska. He gives his thoughts on why that's the case. I'd say the main reason it's taking place is that people are becoming more aware of us across the state, and they are growing tired of the uh, factionalization of the other two parties. They, they, They feel that the old parties are moving away from them, and the Libertarian Party represents you know Nebraska values, and it represents uh, you know a common sense approach to uh, smaller government and uh, more uh, personal freedom. Kansas Governor Jeff Collier says that state will renew its membership with a group that strengthens economic ties between the state and Kansas in two thousand and twelve. Then Governor Sam Brownback dropped Kansas's membership in the midwest u s Japan Association, citing the two thousand dollars annual cost of membership. Collier met with association members in April and said this week that Kansas will rejoin the regional trade organization. Current radar plus your 10-day forecast anytime. Just tap the app or click weather at krvn.com. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder.
1: meat of the 21st century has taken on a completely different shape from what it did 10 years ago 20 and even 30 years ago today we have our traditional derived from livestock meat then we also have meat that's been cultured and grown in the laboratory Then we have what some may call meat that's been derived from plants. We find out more on the labeling of meat here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk about this is Mike Deering, Executive Vice President of the Missouri Cattlemen's Association. Missouri is the first state to pass legislation on how to label meat, specifically that that is not derived directly from livestock. So as we get started here, talk to us about this legislation and how it defines meat.
8: Well, basically, so this is a hot issue throughout the country at the federal level as well, as they are debating who regulates this product. That's the conversation at the federal level. So here in Missouri, we wanted to get ahead of it. We already have definitions in our state statute defining what meat is. The definition clearly states that it has to come from part of or the whole livestock carcass. Uh, So we did not change the definition of meat here in the state. We simply prohibited the misrepresentation of any product that doesn't meet that definition from being able to call meat or being able to label a lab-grown product as meat that was not derived from uh, harvested livestock.
1: When a product is at the retail level, when consumers are looking at it, what what is the expected label of, say, deer grown on your ranch versus something developed in a lab?
8: Well, they can call it. So this this legislation does not uh, mandate what they can call it. They just can't call it meat, meat and they cannot uh, misrepresent that product as meat. And so, the laboratory-grown products, you know, uh, are set to hit the shelves, the retail shelf, uh, on the beef side as early as 2020, and on the poultry side, they're expected to hit the uh, market this year. Yet, so. This is becoming real. You have two of the top processors in the world, um, both Cargill and Tyson, investing in the laboratory grown products. Uh, our association is not opposed to these products. We're not opposed to this technology. We're not opposed to the plant-based products either. But we want to make sure that we do not weaken the value of our products and also um, confuse the consumer. So being honest with the consumer, letting the consumer know what they're putting in their bodies i think is important um just having that labeling having that honesty and dialogue with the consumer is a good thing and we certainly don't want to do anything to confuse the consumer we've seen from our dairy friends with the almond quote-unquote milk the soy quote-unquote milk and the struggles that that those producers have been having with that that um we we don't want to repeat that here in the beef industry you know, some of the people who were opposed to this particular legislation accuse us of calling the consumer dumb. We are not calling the consumer dumb. They have a reasonable expectation to believe what they read on the label, period.
1: Lead up right into my next question. When this bill was coming up, was there a lot of support or opposition to the bill?
8: There was overwhelming support. So if you look at this legislation, it was passed 125 to 22 that is a huge bipartisan victory for this piece of legislation. Both Democrats and Republicans both sides of the aisle uh, supported the legislation. We did have some opponents on the primarily on the plant-based side uh, still wanting to include pictures of cows and pictures of chickens and call their product meat on their labeling who did hire lobbyists and oppose the legislation. but. Ultimately, their efforts failed and the legislation was able to be passed. Uh, and also if you look at the federal level, I mean, this is bipartisan. When you look at Congresswoman DeLero from Connecticut for crying out loud, uh, she, she is really a leader at the federal level in trying to get some clarification, especially on the lab-grown products on who regulates it. Is it USDA? Is it FDA? What's the nutrient profile of it? what's the food safety program and what does that look like to make sure that, that a safe product gets in the hands of consumers and that we know who regulates it. And we believe that USDA should regulate it at the same stringency and same scrutiny as they regulate our product.
1: For other states that are looking at this legislation, they're looking at the history that Missouri is making right now, is the framework of this bill something that other states could possibly transition to when they start looking at this issue?
8: Yeah, other states I know are looking at it. I do believe that you'll see those filed in January as some of these sessions get underway. I think the legislation, you know, each statute is different, so it will probably vary from state to state in how they go about doing it. Um, If we had anything to do different here, if I could go back, um, what I would have done is make sure that when these products do enter the state of Missouri that they are regulated by USDA. I would have added that language. But again, before we thought of that, it was too far down
1: the road. So, We're talking again with Executive Vice President of the Missouri Cattlemen's Association, Mike Deering. And Mike, thank you for the important information here on this groundbreaking legislation coming out of Missouri on the labeling of meat versus what some may call fake meat. It looks like moving forward, the next step in this legislation, and as more of these products come to market, will be who regulates it. We'll keep following this story right here on the Rural Radio
9: Network. Back on the Rural Radio Network, we get a review of the Livestock Futures trade and what happened today with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe?
10: Yeah, it was a uh, positive day for uh, Livestock Futures today. We had green all the way through the board, so uh, start with the cattle, uh, uh, we had some triple digit gains, particularly in the uh, deferred contracts, uh, the nearby June only up uh, 55 on the day, but uh, the idea that uh, we're uh, looking at a cattle on feed report with uh, uh, significantly lower placements than we've seen uh, in previous months uh, has got the back end uh, a little bit more excited than the front end. front end is still waiting for some sort of uh, cash trade. I did hear of a, a very, very few cattle trade, uh, but it would be insignificant to uh, uh, the overall market cutouts were higher on the choice at noon which uh, helped also but uh, i think the focus is now beginning to get uh, to the uh, the fall months uh, late summer fall months uh, because of this uh, placement number so uh, depending on if cash trades this week that might make the difference uh, uh, for tomorrow's trade but uh, so far no trade really of any significance. Peter's also following suit and seeing triple-digit gains there, too, the exception uh, being the uh, nearby May contract, which uh, is expiring uh, tomorrow. So uh, over in the hogs, they were positive today for a change uh, after s- several uh, down days. Positive gains in cash uh, holding steady and got out uh, a little bit lower.
9: Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. This is the Rural Radio
11: Network. Last Friday, the House failed to pass the 2018 Farm Bill. So what comes next? On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. We hope Congressman Adrian Smith can answer that question for us as he joins us now to discuss the whys behind the vote and more. Congressman, of course, we do appreciate your time as we know you're very busy today. Let's back up before talking about what is next and discuss your position on the Farm Bill. Why did you choose to support this legislation?
12: Well, I think it's uh, some strong language. I think it's very strong on crop insurance, uh, certainly as reflected by producers themselves. I think uh, conservation, it, it has some strong points. I, I think that uh, overall, though, uh, it, it's, it's some good policy to move us forward. Uh, the vaccine bank uh, for livestock, I think that's a, another very positive aspect.
11: Can you shed a light on when the farm bill might be brought back to the
12: floor? I would expect it in the, in the next few weeks. Uh, I, I think we'll get this done. I'm concerned uh, overall, you know, that too too much delay at uh, places will create uncertainty for producers. And certainly, last time we had a, a delay in the farm bill, and and uh, with that delay, we had uh, exactly nothing uh, to develop from that in a positive fashion. It just uh, simply delayed it and created some uncertainty. So I think uh, moving forward, though. Uh, uh, I think there are members uh, who are absent uh, who would likely vote yes and, and I think we 're in a in a pretty decent position moving forward um, and The sooner we can pass this, the better.
11: The vote was one ninety eight to two thirteen if I have that correct, thirty Republicans did vote against the bill as it stood on Friday. The House Freedom Caucus, specifically, they're calling on leadership to talk about immigration first. Can you help us understand what they want to happen with immigration reform in this country that's kind of holding up this whole Farm Bill process?
12: Well, there are uh, several bills uh, pending right now uh, on immigration, and and it's unclear whether any of those bills actually have the votes. And and so I know that, that Freedom Caucus was pushing for the Goodlatte bill on immigration, and the, I think even Bob Goodlap would tell you that uh, there are not enough votes to pass that bill. Certainly, there are there are immigration issues that need to be resolved, and we need to work on getting that done. But uh, uh, simply just uh, voting on stuff for the sake of voting on it, knowing that it won't pass, that that, uh, that that's not a real efficient way to to operate. Uh, you know, so let, let's focus on getting the Farm Bill done first.
11: Let's jump back to that Farm Bill and talk about the Democrats as they all stood united as they opposed the language in the bill, largely because of the SNAP proposed change. If push comes to shove, do you think Republican leadership should remove that language out of the bill in order to get the rest approved like crop insurance, like
12: the vaccine bank? Well, I think uh, there are already some provisions uh, in the bill as requested uh, by Democrats on the on the Ag Committee. Uh, the work provisions uh, that are contained in the nutrition title to really address the the number of folks who receive benefits uh, without working and we know we need we need workers all across America. These are very reasonable reforms uh, to have absolutely no change to the snap or, or food stamp benefits and just accept the status quo i, I don't think that that's wise, uh, certainly thinking longer term but even on the on the shorter term that uh, we need to make the necessary and modest changes that are productive for our economy. But even even more than that, we want to get folks uh, off the sidelines of our economy and participating in a in a way that I think they will ultimately appreciate uh, and, and be able to benefit from.
11: That was Congressman Adrian Smith. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. <laughs>
9: Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we're joined by Tom Dosdall from Daniels Trading and publisher of the grain newsletter Technical Ag Knowledge. The corn market today, uh, did we uh, get up into that uh, range that we saw last summer, Tom?
7: Yes, Dewey, we are getting up within about three or so cents of the contract highs for December 2018. Last summer's high was 429.5. We are set to finish up the day today at about 426.5. So folks here, we're looking around at the marketing plan and thinking it's a good time to just take a general assessment of overall risk tolerance.
9: What about December 19 corn?
7: Also, same deal, yeah. We're basically up within a couple cents of those highs from last summer.
9: Along in these positions pretty soon here, too, if we aren't already?
7: Yeah, we're, we're looking uh, We're looking to be hedging off some risk here at this point for folks who are making sales. We're taking advantage of some some re- relatively limited risk re-ownership uh, opportunities into the
9: summer. Bright star today might have been those hard red winter wheat futures, but are we getting into uh, some resistance levels here?
7: Same thing there. Again, we, we tend to tail off on exports when we get up around 560 on the July Kansas City price, and so we're. Wanted to be protective of the price up in that area. If you look out into 2019, we really like the the forward curve on wheat as well. You go out to next year, it's uh, 625 on the board here, uh, matching contract highs out into next year.
9: Can we say the same thing for soybeans? Since we've had another rally again today,
7: new crop soybeans are 1048 and a half. We have at least 15 times the last two and a half months run into this 1050 to 1060 resistance area without being able to push through. So. Um, once again, another market that's near its contract highs and on some long-term resistance levels.
9: And, t- Tom, well, risk on day again, too, for livestock futures.
7: Despite yesterday's rather bearish cold storage report, the cattle and the hogs are both up. Uh, June cattle, however, battled right into its 50-day moving average and is still struggling with that level. That's right around 105.50. The close above that looks technically strong on the charts, in my opinion.
9: Our thanks to Tom Dosdall, Daniels Ag Trading. For more information, go to technicalagknowledge.com and ask for a free trial. Tom Dosdall, Daniels Trading. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.